0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. All right, good morning, church. Mark chapter 4. We're going to finish out that chapter this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and uh, take a seat, and we're going to jump in. But first, I want to remind you that next week, things are going to be different, because we're back we're back to live services next week, May 24th at 10.30 a.m. Now, you can tell that this, this week's recording looks a little bit different. That's because we're cleaning the sanctuary. We're, we're getting it ready for social distancing. So when you come in next week, you'll see every other pew taped off. Uh, and we just can't wait to see you. Uh, we, we can't wait to see you Wednesday night as we gather out in the parking lot. And as we uh, prayer walk this place and just get to see each other, maybe do a, a wave across the parking lot. But uh, we're super excited for things to be opening back up. And so I want to kind of give you this reminder, okay? So just a reminder, there's no child care provided for these in-person services. And so I, I don't want that to scare you. I don't want that to alarm you. Because I know as a parent myself that sometimes you can be like, I don't know. But this means we totally understand if your kid squirms. We totally understand if your kid is crying or if he blurts out, I'm hungry, or stop, or mine, or the kids start fighting. We totally understand. And I'll be honest with you, I, we've missed hearing it. We, we've missed hearing anybody in the pews, to be honest with you. So it's going to be okay. Uh, the church was founded, established, and it operates as a multi-generational worship gathering. And, and the reason that's the way that takes place is that discipleship is accomplished In demonstration. Now, it's easy to create converts, and it's easy to create uh, Christian consumers, but it's difficult to create disciples because discipleship is through demonstration. And and that's why Jesus said, hey, come follow me. And he demonstrated to his disciples what it looked like to follow him. So uh, I want this to be an encouragement to you parents. You get to make disciples, and you get to begin that, that ministry right there in your own home. Parents, you demonstrate worship when you sit as a family unit. Not only that, you demonstrate the importance of prayer and being in God's word when you sit as a family. And and when you do this, you can show them what it looks like to follow Christ. Now, don't don't hear me uh, say anything bad about youth or children's ministries because I totally believe in age-based ministries. I I was a youth pastor for years and and I got to watch youth after youth after youth come through my my student ministries. And, And I just want you to know that that's important for their growth, but it's supplemental growth. It doesn't take uh, place of the discipleship that that is needed in the home. And so you as parents, you have the opportunity to disciple. And and the reason we know this is because uh, kids who grow up and, and are parts of great youth ministries or parts of great children's ministries, which is what we have here, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't walk away from the church. And because there is such discipleship that takes place when when kids are raised in the wholeness of the church, where the whole broader church family is able to pour into them and love on them and show them what it means to follow Christ. So don't let it scare you. Uh, no childcare for this upcoming service or the ones following as we ease back in. But man, we are so excited to have you back. There's, there's something that we've been reminded of over this COVID-19 pandemic and uh, quarantine that we've been in. And it's that we are a people church not a production church. We are such a people church. We miss the people. We miss you because the church is a body. It's a body of believers. It's not a building. It's not a production. It's a people. And so church isn't meant to be a production. It's meant to be a people who gather as one body in worship of God. And you might be like, yeah, you're obviously not a production church. And that hurts, that hurts, but it's okay. It's okay. We've gave it our best effort. So as we jump into this word uh, this morning, I want to pray for us, and I look so forward to seeing your faces again real soon. So let's pray. Gracious Father, we come to you. We thank you so much for this morning. Your mercies are new every morning. We thank you that you are in complete control of everything, that you are a sovereign God who looks down upon us, that, that walks with us, that has given us your spirit to empower us. God, you're a good God. And though there's evil in this world, and though there's pain, and though there's suffering, and though there's sickness, you reign. And you reign as a king above all. And so, Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for this morning. Speak to us through your word, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we have this thesis statement this morning. It is, God's sovereignty is displayed in caused action or controlled allowance. And so, sovereignty is kind of a difficult thing for people to grasp when you talk about doctrine or theology. So, let me, let me share with you this. Sovereignty means that God has total control of all things past present, and future. This means God's completely in control. Nothing happens that is out of his knowledge and control. All things are either caused by him or allowed by him for his own purposes and through his perfect will and timing. I mean, this is a crazy thought that God is in control of all things. And this is what scripture teaches us. As we look at verses like Ephesians 1.11, where Paul writes, the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God is right now, he's working all things. Psalms 115.3 says it this way, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. There's a purpose behind what he's doing. He's sovereign and he's in complete control. He's in complete control of your life. Look at what Daniel says in chapter four, verse 35. You know, We, we looked at this a few months ago all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Because he's in complete control. God is sovereign over us. So if we we take a step back and we look at this global pandemic the chaos it has caused, the uh, economical downfall that's happening, the global isolation and the unprecedented times, we can see that a sovereign God allowed it to happen. I mean, you, you just take a moment and think about all the things that you've seen on the news. Think about all the, the chaos that's in this world, everything that's happening. God is in complete control. It, it either happened by his action or his allowance. God is sovereign and he's sovereign over us if you want to call it a plandemic, as maybe you have, or maybe you've got into some conspiracy theories, I'm not calling you out, right? But th- there's, there's this idea that it was a plandemic. Well, if you want to say that, then you have to admit that it was God's plan. It's God's plan. God is doing something in our midst. It's God's plan to ordain our steps, as scripture says. It's God's plan to grab our attention. It's God's plan to call us to pause, to pray to come back to him, to look to him who has power over all things. Now, let me ask you, is is that what has happened over these last two months of your life? Has God called you to pause, to pray, to look to him because he's the one in control? I mean, if this has taught us anything, it's taught us that we're not in control. God is in complete control. You see, the recognition that Jesus has sovereign authority over the world should lead us to total surrender to his authority. Are you still trying to control your life? Are you still trying to do things your way? Or have you come to a, a moment in your life where you're like, God, I'm not in control. And it's obvious because every time I try to take up the reins, things fall apart. God, you are in complete control. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says it this way. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Let me tell you something. You might have plans. You might have your own purposes, but God is in complete control. He's with us. He's walking with us. And so as we get into chapter four, at the end of chapter four, we're gonna see a very familiar story where Jesus calms the storm. And, And I just wanted to point out the fact that he is sovereign. He's sovereign over the storms of life, the things that come in that are unexpected, that catch us by surprise. So the first thing is difficulties and trials are sovereign appointments to strengthen our faith. They're sovereign appointments. They're opportunities to strengthen our faith. So let's read in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with them, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this? You see, God sovereignly allows difficulties and trials to enter our life for our recognition of his authority, for our recognition of our dependence, and for his glory and power to be seen in the midst of difficulties. Jesus knew exactly what was coming on the lake. He told them to get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. Jesus was not surprised by the wind and the waves, the chaos that was, that was ensuing, but his disciples, were, they were scared. They were afraid. You see, I like how Dr. Daniel Aiken puts it. We should not be alarmed by the surprises in our lives. They are divinely ordained moments whereby God is working in the everyday circumstances of our lives to reveal who he is, who we are. And who we need. Now, I want you to think about this chaos that this world is in. God is allowing things to happen, these storms of life to to rise up so that we will pause, that we will see these divinely ordained moments that reveal who He is, that reveal that He is in complete control. Verse 37 says, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. I mean, you think about this. These guys, they're in the boat. And these hurricane force winds, as, as it would say, come up. And they start putting water, starts putting water into the boat. It's starting to fill up. They're starting to have such chaos. They're on a sinking ship. They're going down. But Jesus, he was in the stern. He was asleep on a cushion. That's the word for pillow. I mean, he, he cuddled up to a pillow, right? And he was, he was out. He was sleeping. And they woke him and they said, teacher, do you not care? Do you even care what I'm going through? I mean, how many times have we said that? Well, we're going through something. We're like, God, do you not care? Do you not care that this is happening to me, that we're perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. See, Jesus exerts complete sovereignty and control over the forces of nature. Jesus is showing us that he is the one who created the winds and the waves, that he is in the boat and that he does care. He cares and he has complete control over all things. Look at what the prophet Jeremiah says in chapter 10, 12 through uh, 13. But God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. God has complete power, wisdom, and understanding. That's something that we don't have, right? When he thunders, the waters and the heavens roar. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Who's in charge of the storm? Jesus is in charge of the storm because he created the storm. He allows these things to happen. He is sovereignly in control and he desperately cares for us. See, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's full of God's power, wisdom, and understanding. He knows exactly what is happening. I like how John says it in the beginning of his gospel in John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. All things. Jesus created all things. And without him was not anything made that was made. He makes all things And Hebrews 1, 2 says this way, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. We've we've had Jesus revealed in the flesh. We know who he is, who the creator is, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. I mean, this this is not just some story that we've read a thousand times and we're like, oh yeah, Jesus, he calms the storms. These silly disciples, they don't have faith. They're just full of fear. We face storms all the time. We ask questions like, God, don't you even care? Are you not here? Do you not see what's happening? God sovereignly allows things into our lives that make us pause, make us pray, and make us recognize that he has complete authority and that he's there. You see, Jesus in his humanity is in need of sleep. I think that's remarkable. I mean, he's created everything. He's created sleep. And some of y'all, you just woke up, I'm sure, right? He created sleep. Sleep's awesome. We love to sleep. Some of us love to do what Jesus did, just curl up with a pillow, just cuddle up, and we're out. He needed sleep. But he also expressed his divinity, that he can dictate the winds and the waves. Jesus was fully human and fully God. He needed sleep. He understood what it's like to go through a storm, but he also has sovereignty over these things that are in our lives. Jesus personifies the sovereignty of God and the sufferings of humanity. I want you to see this. Jesus personifies the sovereignty of God also with the sufferings of humanity. Now, Jesus does care. Don't you even care that we're perishing? He does care. You know why I know he cares? Because he came in the son of man, Sovereignty coincided with humanity to intentionally complete that which he had planned from the beginning. It was God's sovereign plan to send his son to be in the flesh. God sovereignly allowed himself to be human, to need sleep, right? To suffer, to hurt, to get tired, to feel pain, to feel grief, so that we could be made spiritually healed. It was God's sovereign plan to enter humanity, to suffer as we do, to face temptations as we do, to understand what it's like to be human as we do. He does care. He cares so much that he came. God sovereignly allowed himself to be shamed, mocked, whipped, scourged, crucified. He allowed the great storm, the greatest storm of bearing the sin of humanity and to suffer crucifixion until he had accomplished the work of salvation. He sovereignly bore our sins and our shame to redeem sinful man to the glory of God. You you don't think God understands storms? He lived through the greatest storm that there ever was, being separated from the Father on our behalf. God understands. He's sovereign, and this was his sovereign plan. Look at what Isaiah the prophet says in chapter 53, 3 through 6. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But check out verse 13. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. The disciples are there in the boat and they're like, don't you even care? Don't you even care that we're perishing? Yes. That's why he came. That's why he suffered. That's why he was beat and bruised. That's why he died. He went through the worst storm ever to show us that he is sovereignly in control. Even when we face difficulties and storms in this life, God is in complete control because he desperately cares for our salvation and the glory of God. Through God's sovereign will, he allowed his son to be nailed to a cross. Through God's sovereign will, he allowed his son to be pierced for our transgressions. Through God's sovereign will, he allowed his son to experience the greatest grief, to even sweat drops of blood. And it was all the will of God for the glory of God. See, this story, it is not the story that every storm will pass and that you will be saved from all of the, its effects. The story is that Jesus lived in the flesh and as a human experienced the worst storm of all, separation from the Father, so that we, wouldn't have to face that storm. The, the story is that Jesus cares deeply that we're perishing, and so he came. The promise is not that all the storms of our life will end soon. That's just not what the Bible teaches or guarantees. The promise is that Jesus is in control of the chaos. I don't know if your life is in chaos right now, but I want you to understand that Jesus is in complete control and he understands what chaos looks like. He understands what it looks like to be betrayed. He understands what it looks like to be hurt and to be wounded, to suffer. Jesus understands you and I can have faith that even in the darkest storms, God is in control and he is working all things out for his glory, not necessarily for our gratification. God is working and we should be looking for his glory, exalting him and our lives that we have no control over. He's in complete control. Romans 8, 28 says it this way. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What greater good is it than for his son to come to suffer on our behalf and he's working out our salvation so that we can experience glory. As we move into a a prayer prompt, this is a time in our service where we pause for 30 seconds and I want you to respond to what you've just heard, what you've just learned maybe, what you've just read. And so the question usually goes, what storms are you facing? Is it a marital storm, a financial storm, a family storm? Maybe, maybe you're going through a health storm right now. Will you pause for a moment and reflect on the power, the authority, the humanity, and the sovereignty of Jesus that he has all power, wisdom, And understanding. And he is in complete control. Will you pray to for him to have complete authority over your life? If you're in a storm, will you ask him to comfort you with his presence in the midst of the storm? Because he does care. Will you pause? Will you pray? second thing is this, demons and evil are under controlled allowance and subject to God's sovereignty. Now, I know that's difficult to understand, but let's read, let's pick up Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came to the other side of the sea. So after the storm, they come up to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Let's keep reading. Verse six. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us. To the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them, understand this, permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and in the herd numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now this is a crazy story, right? This is this is not your everyday going to Walmart. Well, maybe it is, right? If you're going to Walmart, it might be your everyday story. But this is a crazy story, and what we learn is that God sovereign, sovereignly allows demonic oppression and evil to be evident all around us for the recognition of his authority, for the recognition of our dependence, and for his glory and goodness to be seen. So God is giving permission even in this story. He's allowing things to happen. I like how R.C. Sproul puts it, evil is evil, but it is within the broader eternal purpose of God and ultimately for his glory. Don't, Don't think that God's not in control. God's in complete control. He's sovereign over even the demonic and the evil. He is working all things out for his good and his glory. See, one theological question that I've been asked is, if God created all things, did he create evil? I mean, that's a great question, is it not? I mean, that's a question you should wrestle with. If God's in control of all things and he's created all things, then why is there evil in the world? Well, look at what James says in 117. Every good gift and every perfect gift Is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Look, God is holy and God is good and God creates what is good. There's there's nothing coming down that's full of a shadow or or backhanded. No, he creates good. When he created in the beginning, he created good. You remember this? God creates, and God creates that which is good, and Satan is allowed to distort that which is good. There's an allowing that happens in the sovereignty of God. Not that we can explain it or understand it all because. Evil is evil, but God is allowing things to happen for his glory. This is what evil does. Evil distorts good things. Evil corrupts that which has been created to glorify God. Satan, the enemy, seeks to counterfeit, distort, deceive, and corrupt the instruments of God. Therefore, humanity is caught in this cosmic and sometimes demonic battle. This is how I know it, because there's a story in the Old Testament in the book of Job. Job starts off kind of like this, Job chapter 1, 6 through 12, we read this. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now, sons of God, that means angels. So the angels are coming, they're presenting themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them because he's a fallen angel. The Lord said to Satan, 'Where where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. So Satan's been walking around on the earth. He's been out looking for someone to torment, someone to distort and destroy. And he's like, hey, have you considered Job? He's blameless. He's a good man. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Like you, you won't let people touch him. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Like you're, you're blessing him. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him, do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So there was this allowance that took place. Now this might mess with some of our theology, but God said, look, I know Job and he knows me, and there are storms in life, and there are things that are going to come, but he will not turn. You're not allowed to do anything that I'm not allowing you to do. There is a sovereign authority over evil. God's sovereignty is displayed in caused action and controlled allowance. Satan was allowed to bring trials and pain upon Job, and if you read the story, you'll see it gets really bad for Job. He came to distort and damage Job so to attack the glory of God. That's exactly what Satan does. Satan seeks to attack. I mean, this is what Peter says in 1 Peter 5 eight: Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I mean, if that doesn't explain what's happening in Job, I don't know what does. He's out there going to and fro on the earth, looking for someone to devour, looking for someone to distort, to counterfeit, to corrupt. He's looking to attack the glory of God by attacking the people of God. See, trials and temptations are subject to the sovereign authority of God. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I want you to understand this. God is in complete control and he he is allowing you to look to him right now. Look at what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Look, God is sovereign and he's in complete control. There's gonna be trials. There's gonna be temptations. There's gonna be evil that you encounter, but he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. The same was was true with Job. Verse six says this. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. So you've got this, evil spirit, this legion of evil spirits living in this man, not only did they know who Jesus is, they recognize him as the son of the most high God, and they bow down before him, and then they plead with him in God's name. Like, that sounds like some faith, doesn't it? This man, he was possessed. He was possessed, and just because these demons come and bow, that doesn't mean they've given him lordship. This man is caught in the cosmic and demonic battle against the glory of God. Look at what David Guzik puts. Demons want to inhabit human bodies for the same reason a vandal wants a spray can or a violent man wants a gun. A human body is a weapon that a demon can use in attacking God. Sometimes we're caught in a cosmic battle and in a demonic battle. There's an evil out there that wants to destroy the glory of God and they will fail, but they're gonna use as many people in the process as possible. See, it says this, and Jesus asked him, what is your name? Jesus says, he's putting authority here. Yeah, I have authority over you. I'm going to ask you your name. He replied, my name is Legion, for there are many. And he begged him earnestly, do not send us out of the country. I mean, we, we can only do what Jesus allows us to do, is what they're saying. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and he begged them, saying, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. And so he gave them permission. He allowed it. There's an evil in this world. The evil in this world is a cosmic and demonic attack on the glory of God. But the authority of God is greater. God has complete authority even over the evil in your life. Let me, let me tell this to you. If you think it's okay to have sin or to have evil in your life, I'm telling you something, God has complete authority. And, and you need to really realize that God is calling you to bow before him and make him Lord of your life. You see, if we allow evil to invade our hearts and lives, although we may not be possessed, only oppressed, we are allowing our lives to, be, to defame, distort and disrupt the glory of God. If we call ourselves believers, yet we believe it's okay to have a little bit of evil, a little bit of sin in our life, we're being used by evil to defame the name of God. Our lives are to bring glory to God. So it brings me to my second prayer prompt. What evil has been tormenting you? Are there things in your life that you allow to distort, damage, and defame the glory of God in your life? Are you allowing yourself to be used in this cosmic battle, this demonic war? Like the demon who knew the Son of Man was who who he was and even bowed before him. Are there areas of your life that acknowledge Jesus, bow to Jesus, but still defame the name of Jesus? Will you take an inventory of your life? Will you confess any areas of allowed evil? Are you acting or participating in things that defame the glory of God and your witness? Will you take a moment right now? Will you pause and pray and confess? right. Last point three, disturbances and disruptions often expose true devotion. Now, this is difficult for us because we've definitely been distracted over the last few months. We've been, we've had a lot of disturbances to our normal life. Things are chaotic and and there's a lot of disruptions. And let me tell you something, these disruptions are God's sovereign wake-up call so that we can see if we are devoted. So this is how the story keeps going. Verse 14, The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed. I mean, he was clothed, right? And in his right mind. And they were afraid. They were afraid of a clothed man, not a naked man. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. There's, there's this permission that has to take place. He comes to Jesus and he says, I want to go with you. And he says, look, your witness is better here, where people can see that you are completely changed. You see, the sovereignty of God allows disturbances and disruptions to enter our lives for the recognition of his authority, for our recognition of our dependence, and for his glory and righteousness to be seen. There's an interesting turn of events that takes place. Verse 17, they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Now, this has always stood out to me. I mean, Jesus came and he did a great thing. There'd always been this crazy, naked, demon-possessed man screaming and crying and breaking chains. Nobody could do anything with this guy. Jesus comes and heals him. He's back to normal. He's clothed. He's sitting there. He's acting normal in his right mind. And then they say, Mm, this is too weird. You need to leave. See, the problem is, is that often we're more comfortable with a little bit of evil and we're uncomfortable with a whole lot of righteousness. There's times we're comfortable with the world the way it was working. We're, we're comfortable with having our control in our lives. We're comfortable with a little bit of evil and a little bit of sin. And we're not always comfortable with Jesus coming in and changing everything. Some of us right now are more comfortable with a little evil or a little sin in our lives more than we are Jesus coming in and completely changing our lives. We want him to come in and clean things up, maybe, maybe tidy up a little bit. Oh, help me with this area. But we're not necessarily comfortable with him coming in and totally changing everything. The problem with our sin nature is we want to be in control of Jesus, not for Jesus to be in control of us. You see, just as God's sovereignty is displayed and caused action and controlled allowance, our sinfulness is displayed in our conscious sinful actions. We know what we're doing and we know it's wrong and yet we still participate in it. And our delusion of controlled allowance of sin, oh, I've got this, it's no big deal, it's just a little sin. We are so confused. Let me ask, are you comfortable with a little bit of sin? and a little bit of evil in your life? Are you, are you not allowing Jesus to come in and completely change everything? Has this caused you to push Jesus away from completely changing your life? Maybe you were coming to church for quite some time. Maybe you were, you were all in and you liked how Jesus was helping you clean things up and how you were looking good to others, but then it got a little personal. It got a little too much, got a little too righteous for you, and you were like, I just need to take a step back. Maybe, maybe I was getting too much Jesus, right? And that's what these people say. We're, we're just having too much. And look what happens. This man comes up and says, I want to go with you. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone Marveled. You see, Jesus didn't allow this man to go with him because his witness of being completely changed to those who knew him in his former life was a better witness for the glory of God. Let me tell you, when the people who know you best see a complete change in you because of Jesus, that gives glory to God. When people see the complete change Jesus has made in our life, the absence of accepted evil and sin, people will marvel at the glory of God. What people don't marvel at is when people confess Jesus, but still seek to control their own lives without acknowledging his sovereign and complete authority. Let me ask you, have you pushed Jesus away? As we move into our final prayer prompt, I'm going to read this to you. And then we're going to have a closing song, a closing song that he is sovereign over us, and I want that to be a time of reflection, a time of prayer, a time of worship for you, where you you humbly submit yourself to the control, authority, and lordship of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you: Has Jesus completely changed you? Have you just added in some Christian things here and there, tried to clean yourself up, or has He completely changed you? Have you come to a point where you have allowed Christ to have complete authority over? over you? Are you still holding on to evil that you're comfortable with? Will you pray for conviction and for the areas of your life that need complete?